Today's episode of In the Trenches is brought to you by System 12 Guitar Method. Sign up today at RyanRoxy.com. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 and welcome to another live stream episode of In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. I am your host, and the reason why you know it's live, because it is May the 4th, and I'm gratuitously wearing the shirt that I think you'll see way too many Instagram stories and way too many posts about. But I like this shirt because it says 77 on it. And if you're not seeing this shirt, that means you are listening to us on one of our audio broadcasts. So thank you very much for doing that. But we would really like you to come over to our YouTube official channel, which is Ryan Roxy Official on YouTube. And if you are here for the very first time, please hit that subscribe button. Uh, We're on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google's Podcasts, all the usual suspects, but guess what, folks? We want you here in the YouTube channel because we have the live chat. And I see everybody is alive and well in the live chat. Hello, everybody. You're not going to be disappointed. I have a little spring in my step today, don't I? Because, folks, we've had a lot of famous rock and rollers from the 1980s on the show, but perhaps they owe some of that fame to today's guest. Um, he helped create a scene in Los Angeles that put both the hair metal, and hairspray on the map. His world-famous rock club, the Cat House, spawned a thousand rock stars and a thousand hangovers. Well, I'm definitely a living proof that it caused at least hundreds of hangovers for me. Um, our guest didn't slow down after that, though. Instead, he went on to uh, be a little bit more international, spreading the gospel of rocks on uh, the world-famous MTV's Headbangers Ball. And uh, we're going into the trenches today with a guy who... Although he's been called a lot of things over the years, I'm sure a lot of things, today I'm happy to call him friend. Welcome in the trenches, Ricky Rackman. Hello, Ricky. You know, there is something, if if you really stop and think about it, there is something very surreal about this because, Ryan, you and I have been really good friends for a long time, and Ryan was one of my very best friends in the Hollywood rock scene before I ever met Tammy or anybody. I mean, it was Ricky and Ryan were going out to everything as the scene was just starting. So if you sit back and it all rushes forward and you're thinking, wow, this is like 36 years later and that we were only 11 years old when we used to go to the clubs. It's, it's, it's very surreal, Ryan, but I'm happy to do your show. I love your show and I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much, Ricky. Ricky Rackman, Ryan Roxy. I know you had the triple R radio, but this is the quadruple R. The quadruple. We're going quadruple, folks. I love it. One more R. It's one more better. Isn't it? The thing is, when I do these podcasts, I bring on um, some pals from the inner circle from back in the day. Like you said, before uh, hair metal actually exploded on the scene, Um, I get to do some more research and I find out things about um, a lot of our guests that I did not know. For one, I just found out you're David Allen, Ricky Rackman. What, Not true. Okay, well then there you go. Change your Wikipedia. It's right off, right out of the gate. The first sentence is a lie, folks. What is so? Where does David Allen come from? Why is it's it David there? Andrew Rackman? Oh. <laughs> Representing the Rams. Oh God! This is your life. Is that an LA? That is an actual LA Rams, Los uh, Angeles Rams jacket. Oh yes. That, the, when they um, were before they moved to St. Louis, definitely. Yes, they were the Los Angeles Rams. But my real—I love Wikipedia. My real name is actually David Andrew Rackman, 
And, um, and then I changed my name. The interesting thing is my stepbrother, his name was David and we were both named David and it was kind of weird. And I just, I mean, this was before I thought about getting into music or anything. I was probably like 12 years old and I said, I'm just going to change my name to Ricky, just like that. And I just changed it. And I, you know, it, you didn't have to do legal stuff. I just started changing all my school papers and everything to Ricky and it stuck. That's kind of what Roxy, that's how the, the whole Roxy monogram, I, I just actually started graffitiing it you know, graffitiing it on walls and practicing the signature and R-O-X-Y eventually became R-O-X-I-E because when I moved down to Los Angeles and I actually started spelling it I-E before, but I'd heard about this club that was R-O-X-Y. What was the R-I-K-I? Because, you know, just having that is immediately, uh, I sense rock and roll to have a K, fuck the C, R-I-K-I. Did that spelling? I think it was first and honestly i don't remember but i think it was first r-i-c-k-y okay um the evolution and, and then r-i-k-i phonetically is like reeky like tiki and um <laughs> oh look at that that's a great picture that's me in 1980 i love that um yes i was punker before i was into to heavy metal but um, I don't know when it changed, and I really don't know why. You think, like, I could have done R-I-K-K-I, but then it would have really been bad with Ricky Rocket. But I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I mean, The you know, evolution, it might, it, better left unsolved. I think it's better left unsolved. I'm sure by next year it might have umlauts over one of the eyes, <laughs> you know, so whatever. If you want to find any factual information out about Ricky, don't listen to this podcast or go on his Wikipedia because we're just going to tell lies. It's all, all wrong. It's all wrong. <laughs> well, that's the way we're going to kick things off with going back to get forward because we've seen a couple pictures already of young Ricky, like the young rock, young Ricky, young rock. And this is going back to get forward. <laughs> Figured you like the motorcycle. I do. <laughs> well, damn, you've always been in. You know what? You were into bikes and motorcycles early, early on. You know, me and Gilby, and we all had these little Honda Rebels before we could have afford Harley's. And uh, you didn't though, which was odd. I never enough. did. Was, and you never did. And, or got a tattoo. I never. You know what? My girlfriend had a Honda Rebel because a Honda Rebel was one of the coolest looking sort of bikes for, the, for like a Harley if you were a starter kit. And it was a cool for girls to drive that Harley or that, that Honda Rebel, right? Because it looked like a it, mini Harley. Yeah. Yes. But the truth is Gilby and myself, we couldn't afford a Harley Davidson. So we all had Honda Rebels because none of us had any money and we all wanted motorcycles and this was the closest that we could come. So we all had the little Honda Rebels. Well, that that switched uh, quite quickly as soon as the uh, hair metal scene exploded. But I'm going back a little bit further than that because you are kind of the original L.A. kid. You're one of those guys that was born and raised. And I like to say that you were uh, raised in the 818 you say? Well, once again, Wikipedia is wrong. I oh. was born in New York. I was born in New York. Dude, your Wikipedia has nothing. I, and I went on to other interviews, and they all quote your Wikipedia. So I'm just going, oh, okay, well, because I always try I to fact why, Sometimes why I bother. Sometimes. But I was born in New York and then lived in Florida for probably a year. But I would say from the age of four on, I was in, in Los Angeles and uh, in the hills. Uh, and then went to Burbank, then Van Nuys, then the Hollywood Hills. I lived with my dad. 
then to New Zealand, and then then to the 818. So when I went to high school, I actually lived in the Hollywood Hills. Well, Burbank, Burbank out, and all that stuff is the 818. So you 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 kind of vacillated back and forth. I don't even think that was even before 818. They might, you might be right. They might have had the old area code. I, I moved to Los Angeles when it was two one three. That's what that's what it was. <laughs> and then um, when I came back, I, I would say, I mean, I, I even I lived in Huntington Beach for a little bit. But yeah, it was mostly a lot of times I was in the Valley, and then I was in Hollywood. You know, all those places make sense, but one of these things is not like the other. What the hell was New Zealand about? Was that a sabbatical? Did you go for some? Meditation. No, I was that, I wasn't a very good kid, and my father lived in New Zealand, and my mom was like, "You should go live with your dad." And I was like, "Okay." So I went to go live with my dad in New Zealand, and that lasted about because he was in New Zealand. Then that lasted about a year or so, and then one day I just I came. Back, I told my dad, "I want to go back to LA." I went back to LA. I knocked on my mom's door. Hi, can I come be here again? I was like sixteen, right. and then I went back to LA. Well, and then you sort of started making shit happen because we met early, early on and we met before you put together Cat House with Tammy Down, which we're going to talk about that. uh, How did we meet? We met. I want to say we met because you auditioned for Candy. Absolutely. Okay, that's that is truth. Okay, yes. good. There's that, that's a fact, folks. And uh, oh, there is a great picture. That is a that picture that Victor gets. Gets that was probably one of our jams that we were doing at some sort of club. Put that picture back up again because that's Gilby Clark on the left. I'm in the center with some sort of I don't know what sort of fashion I'm statement I'm making. And Ricky's making Look another fashion statement. Look at me. I can guarantee we're singing the song "Surrender" though. I knew you were going to say that. That was what it was. It was like, that was the only song. I'd always like, hey, Ryan, can I get up and do a song? And it was always Surrender. Now, there's another picture of us. That was obviously with Candy, but it was another picture that same night. And it's all of us with Izzy on stage and Mickey Finn from Jet Boy and all of us on stage. But I was just like, look at these pictures. I was always begging to get up on stage and and you were always nice enough to let me go up on stage. Well, it all started because you came down for an audition to sing for Candy and you were actually really good. You and, and not, you and you Well, we were but see we went through this weird phase. You, you when we were trying out all those guys if you remember Gilby was not in the room because Gilby was kind of like you know what, guys? I kind of want to sing, and we're like, no, no, we're gonna, we're gonna get, we're, we'll, we'll find a singer, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we tried out a lot of guys. We actually decided to do one show with this band called Candy X. We found a guy. We called him. I think his, we nicknamed him uh, Mini Dio or Little Dio or something like that because he was he was actually shorter than Ronnie James Dio. <laughs> If that's, if that's possible. And, uh, but, but we did one gig with him. It didn't work out. And then we just said, you know, sud it. Let's, let's have Gilby come back in and sing. And that's when we started doing Candy 2.0. And then you and I just, you know, started hanging out constantly. You know? I think for a second, like, I pretended like I was Candy's manager and I helped make T-shirts or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think you might have done that first batch of Candy shirts that had the... Uh, we call it the splooge logo on it. It was just candy. I was I was looking well, for it. Pretty much similar to the cat house shirts. It was black with a pink candy on it. There you go. That's what it was. But I, you know what? There, there's rumors of there being other bands as well that you had before. You know, around that time, and the angry Samoans. Is that is that, that something that was that was, that was that much a, 
before that. That was much before that. And, you know, as you showed in that picture, when I was when I was a kid, I was into punk rock. I I think I was molded from the Los Angeles punk rock scene. That was and still is one of my favorite types of music. And I tried to get in any bands I could. And I was this young kid and the Angry Samoans, which was a punk rock band that Bruce Duff was in, if you remember that. And uh, they were auditioning singers. And I went to some like house in the valley, I think. And I remember singing, give me soap or something. And obviously like, like when I was young, like, you know, 17, I looked like I was 14 and I never <laughs> looked like a hard guy, obviously. So I didn't get the job, but I did audition to sing for the uh, Angry Simones, but I didn't get that job either. Okay. There's that picture with Jet Boy and stuff, but that's, so that was not the Angry Simones, but, but. No. You did uh, get the. You did start put your foot into the L.A. club scene, and you sensed something was going on because I remember. I don't know if you remember this, but I remember the the day that you sort of had that idea that you were going to start this rock club, and you said, you know, I'm and I'm thinking about starting it with that guy that works down at Retail Slut on Melrose. And it was, and of course, everybody knew the guy that worked down on the street at Melrose on Melrose was at Retail Slut was Tamey Down because right. he just, you know, he had that look. He'd just always be in the store, and you'd kind of like he'd watch you when you came in. I love then, that picture. That is a great picture of the two of you guys right there. So, what was it that you saw in the scene that was going to eventually change the world? Did you see this before anybody else, or what? And what was the reason I, to start the club? I mean, I'd love to say that I was this great visionary, but the truth of the matter is the reason that the cat house was opened as Tammy has said, and I have said for many years, the reason that we opened that club was to meet girls and get free drinks and give us all a place to hang out at. You know, I had been a club DJ and I'd been DJing at clubs like ice. And I think the only people that I know that ever went to ice from our scene was me, you, Tammy went once, hated it. Tommy Lee went, yeah. Izzy went, and Steve West. And that was the only uh, of us that ever went. And it was kind of like went there just kind of to, 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 to see me, you know, because we were all friends then. Like we didn't go to ICE because we wanted to hang out at ICE. They went because, oh, Ricky's there, you know. And we knew that there would be like, you know, the normal girls, not the, the rock girls, the normal girls that like guys with money that ignored us. So, um, but we got to was, hang out in that little DJ booth, which made us seem very important. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, as much as I'd love to say, you know, I, I helped build the scene. It was like, I was just there at the right place, the right time. The cat house just happened to be there at the right time. And all of our friends ended up becoming some of the biggest bands in the world. You know, when, when, you know, Steven and Axel say, Hey, can, I know you don't let bands play, but can we play something acoustic? for our record release party. And that's the first time anybody ever plays live at your club. And then they keep on asking to play back. You know, yeah. it, it's, it, 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 we were lucky. I was lucky because all of my friends were in bands and, and you met me wanting to be in a band. I wanted to be in a band too. And I didn't get to be in a band. Until so later I, you did. You ended, up, you ended up, we're going to talk about that too. But the thing is you provided the environment. You, you put this to you and Tammy put together this, this vibe of a club, and and along with I think Joseph was there from the beginning as a DJ, right? Because since day one, a lot of my music influence, uh, education, if you will, 
of the of the glam stuff came from Joseph because he would he had such a great knack of taking a T-Rex Mark Bolan song and mixing it in with a Motley Crue song and then then and then going straight back to Sweet and then going, you know, and then putting on, you know, a, a Guns N' Roses song off their new album or you know that had just come out. So he he really had a great way of DJing and um you still have any contact with Joseph? I saw Joseph. Joseph did one of the Cat House Hollywood podcasts, which I think was episode 13. And the only reason I remember that is I think it was the it was better than any other episode because um, Joseph was sober through everything. So he remembers everything. And Joseph, you know, before Joseph played at the Cat House, when I was a club DJ, we'd go into their record store, Vinyl Fetish, and Joseph would help educate us on the stuff that was happening in England, whether it be the Bat Cave stuff or the Goth stuff or the dance stuff. So Joseph was very educated to that. And I was a damn good club DJ. But at the Cat House, I knew I needed somebody else that I didn't, that I, I mean, pretty much my instruction was to Joseph is like, play rock and roll. Right. You know, and, and 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 feel free to experiment. And that's what he did. And like the playlist that you said, if you, if you look at the very first Cat House flyer, which I have right there, it says Aerosmith, T-Rex, Hanoi Rocks, Motley Crue, Gene Loves Jezebel. Of course. You know, it. it's like it. we we I wanted Joseph to ha- get crazy and do whatever he wants. And he did. There's the flyer right there. Grand and, uh, opening Tuesday, September twenty third. Uh, you know, I know folks out there are thinking now. Oh my God! It must have been lines around the building. This new rock club in Los Angeles. I was there. I was one yes, of the were. maybe fifty people in the. How many people on the first night? Do you think? The second night, I know was there were fifty nine people, and I've. I mean, I rem- I forgot most of it, but I remember the second night was 59 people. Okay. So I was, I was one of those proud 59. Without a doubt. Because I went every single week. (laughs) You may have even helped me carry stuff the very, very first night. You might've been one of the very first four people in the cat house. I wouldn't doubt if you were. I know that there's a lot of people out there that go, well, where did it start? Where do you think the cat house got famous? And a lot of people know it as 836 Highland, but the original place was right at the Beverly Center at a club called, I want to say it was called Oscars because I know the movie. Oscos. Oscos. Okay. And it was was like where they filmed the movie TGIF. Thank God It's Friday with Donna Summer was filmed at Oscos. In 1977. How about that? Yes. And and I remember you and I used to like sort of drive around in your red Camaro all around that area going to clubs. And I think one of the clubs that we went to one time uh, was underneath the Beverly Center. Yes. And um, uh, what was the name of the hairstylist that was always the cool dude and always, you know, he had had Giuseppe Franco. He had. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, folks. Uh, Vic, do you have a picture of Giuseppe Franco you can put up? Oh, gee, my producer's saying Holy no. crap, I wouldn't know Come what on, like. Come on, Vic. <laughs> but we're not here talking to here to talk about Giuseppe Franco, although I do love the man. Uh, we're here with Ricky Rackman here on In the Trenches, and we are going back to get forward. I want, I'm, I'm going through this career path, because you start off, you know, club owner, uh, the club ice, cat house, club runner, I guess you would say. Um, and during that time, 
things are moving. Then I opened Bordello, Bordello too. Bordello was another great club that you had on, was that a Thursday night club? Yeah, Bordello was Thursdays. Bordello was, Bordello, I opened up and I said, okay, I'm not going to let any bands play at Bordello. And I want Joseph to really go all over the place. Like if you're going to play something from T-Rex, I want you to follow it by with something from, you know, Donna Summer. And then I want you to play Cool and the Gang and then The Misfits. And it, it was everything. And I'm just telling you, Cat House was very famous for having these beautiful women and everything else. Bordello was without a doubt more decadent. The stuff that happened at that club, we just never really talked about it at Bordello. <laughs> and Bordello was just a decadent, fun dance club. And it was nothing but a dance club. And uh, wow. I, it was so much fun. When you just said Bordello, it brought back another hundred hangovers for me right now. But what was our notorious drink, Ryan Roxy? Well, it was, folks, if anybody wants, get out your pens and papers, because this was the drink that Ricky and I, before before Ricky went uh, sober, and he's been, <laughs> you've been sober for many, many years now, and I think this and is- And you know why. This, this <laughs> is the why. drink that probably did it. This is the one that drove Ricky to sobriety, this drink. Um, it was one part Kahlua, uh, maybe one or two parts um, I, Bailey's Irish Cream. And then the topper was Bacardi 151 on the top, and you light it on fire, and voila, it's the flaming dog poo. Am I right? I don't know how we came. I don't know if I came up with the name, if you came up with the name, but we drank a lot of flaming dog poos, and we just would just get hammered. And that's a horrible hangover, too. Yep. So there you go. Kids. No flaming dog poos for you. No. It's good. No. But during this time, this career path, you do actually become a lead singer in a band. Yeah. And I know you don't talk about it all that often, but I like to talk about it because I think I I, I know that you played some gigs. I know that you were, um, you actually made a dent in the scene. There was, you know, you, you were a Hollywood band. We, we did. The band was called Virgin. Yes. And which I didn't realize this, but the way Virgin got together, I really had no idea this is how it happened. But Jim Torgerson told me that the way it happened was Bobby Dahl from Poison suggested to Jim Torgerson, who was playing in a band called China, that was sort of this like, they were part of that LA scene, but they were kind of like uglier and almost gothier looking, right? China? Yeah, and they probably spelled it with a Y. It was definitely a, it, it was definitely a misspelling of China. But anyway, we started a band called Virgin, and we played around a little bit. And I think, without a doubt, the the weakest link in that band was me and probably my ego because I was dealing with a lot of depression, a lot of other things. And I have always not spoke about Virgin Virgin and been embarrassed. Like I, I've seen videos of me on stage, but I just recently heard some of the demos. And they're not great, but they weren't horrible. I mean, on YouTube, there's a there's a, a show that Virgin played at the Whiskey and Vince Neil sang with us. And me and Vince Neil did some songs together, which I didn't remember that at all. And I re- watched the video and I was like, you know, I'm, I moved awkwardly because when I'm, you know, that was at a time when I was hanging out with Axel a lot. And you watch Axel Rose on stage and he's just the epitome of just a great front man doing all these moves. And I was very, very awkward on on stage. So I, when I look at the way that I moved, I was like, God, I, I could tell that I was nervous. But listening to some of the music, you know, and the lyrics, I wrote all the lyrics 
and and it wasn't that as it wasn't as horrible as I had thought it had been over the years. But of course, when everybody else you know is getting record deals and selling a million records, and you get lost in the shuffle, you know, I didn't ha- I I didn't want to be, you know, nothing to say anything bad about Bang Tango or bands like that. But I didn't want to be playing as this mediocre band for thirty years. You right, know what I mean? Right. Well, I mean. Y- your relationship with Axel, you, he's definitely helped uh, open doors for you. But I remember at the Cat House back at the original location before it moved to 836. I believe that their biggest breakthrough show was at the Cat House, an acoustic show. It was, right. and, I, and I believe it might have been one of the first times they ever played Knocking on Heaven's Door because we were sort of having a tribute or, you know, just sort of a gathering for a buddy of ours that, that had originally played bass in the band Jet Boy, a guy yes. named Todd Crew. And Todd Todd used to hang out with us all the time. I got the and, Wow. So, okay, so you know who's in that picture? Okay, who, so that's Tammy on the left, I want to say, yeah? Right. Steven Adler playing maracas. Yes, that cute guy is Stephen Adler. I'm somewhere. Well, behind you're him. you're a cute guy right next, right behind Not him, like a, cute a like Adler. like Not like a, a young cute, cute Mike Reno, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> and who's on guitar? I believe that would be Greg Steele, don't you think? That seems like a faster pussycat Greg Steele type of guy. Yes, it does. And you know what? I really I'll go back to that picture really quick. Honestly, right next to your head. I believe that's Mick Cripps from uh, L.A. Guns, but I, I but don't quote me. You might be right. <laughs> but that, now we're going too deep into the photo, so that that's a great <laughs> shot that Vic got. But do you remember that? What, no. what I'm talking about that? No, that that acoustic show with no, with guns. That because that that, it, that you had it at Cat House, and it was an acoustic show. And right after that, it things just seemed to really explode for them. This is what happened with that show. Um, and I don't remember if it was Axel or Steven. It said, hey, we've got this EP coming out, which was the Live Like a Suicide, the first Guns N' Roses EP. Can we do a record release party? And I'm like, sure, we'll do it for, for Christmas. So this was before MTV ever did an unplug. And so Axel's like, hey, let's do it as an acoustic. I'm like, okay, can we let some other bands play? And they're like, yeah. So the other bands that opened up that night, it was – and I've seen the flyer. It's Faster Pussycat, L.A. Guns, Jet Boy, and Guns N' Roses. And then it said, and special guests. We have never figured out who those special guests were, as if we needed one. Right. But that was who played that night. And everybody just got drunk and played acoustic and and Guns N' Roses. But I don't, I don't remember who – I don't remember why I thought I would need to say and special guests. <laughs> but um, – and that night – had 600 people there, which was ridiculous for the cat house. More than 59, definitely afterward, more. Then afterwards, um, Faster Pussycat did a record release party and had like 700. And I'll never forget Brent Muscat going, Guns N' Roses had 600 and we had 700. We're going to be bigger than Guns N' Roses. <laughs> there it is, the teddy bear of rock and roll. But you know what? You gotta love. You gotta love Brent Muscat. He is the teddy bear of rock and roll. I always remember Rock City News put that under his picture. The teddy bear of rock and roll. Teddy bear of rock and, and roll. And I and I thought I was the teddy bear of rock and roll. But no, nobody could even compete with him. Did you actually see? Were you one of the? Because oh, there might have been fifty nine people at Cat House that second night. But uh, when I saw 
Faster Pussycats' first show at the Central, which we eventually. went together. We went together. Okay, so th- yes. there was less than fifty people, right? They were terrible. They well, were terrible. They, they weren't. They weren't on point. But then again, you know when they got on point, they got on point when they went on tour with with Guns and Roses, and played every single night, and they got really, really good. I remember that. I remember taking Nikki Six to go see them play at the Whiskey, and Nikki was like, I don't know. It's kind of got this punky sound. They, they don't do much to me. And then they ended up taking him on tour. But <laughs> I remember seeing, because I went to Faster Pussycat's first show, and the second show, and the third show. And then I remember going to some show where they played, and all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute. They're really good. And now I think that that Tammy doesn't get the credit that he deserved as being a songwriter because it wasn't the kind of goofy, stupid, all songs. I think he writes some good, funny, tongue-in-cheek songs. And some of his later stuff, even the, a brand new song that's coming out May 21st that I heard from Faster Pussycat, I'm like, you know, I wish that Faster Pussycat, instead of going out on tour with bands like Enough's Enough or Mr. Big or stuff like that, I wish they would have just taken an opening slot for a band like Avenged Sevenfold or something like that. Because I think Faster Pussycat could have done okay in a crossover audience because, you know, I, unlike you, you like that. I hate that term hair metal. I hate that term. I'm and not a fan, but it's just, it is what it. it is. All right. I, well, I, think it, I think, but, but back then, Ryan, none of us ever said, we never we're said hair, hair metal. metal no, 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 I think it, I think it diminishes a really good rock and roll scene. I mean, to me, there's a big difference between faster pussycat, LA guns, guns and roses. And let's say bands like, you know, Warrant or and not saying anything bad about those bands, but I think there's a big difference between those bands. Oh, yeah. And I think lumping it all together is kind of diminishing what I think is a great scene. I think those, especially those three bands that, that I just mentioned, I think are great rock and roll bands. But just it, great rock and roll bands. But it, it it was a big enough to call itself a scene. You know what I'm saying, Ricky? It, it was big enough because the bands even before that were huge that sort of paved the way, the generation right before, which I'm talking about, the Wasps and the Rats and the Motley Crews, because they were already big by the time we sort of, you know, we're all in the cat house yes, scene, and they and they would come definitely. to the they would come to the cat house as these mega stars, but they didn't have a scene named after it. I guess it was just called maybe L.A. Rock or something. But this hair metal, whatever they wanted to call it, it was definitely a scene in the same sense that grunge was a scene. So I'm sure you go to a Seattle I band. Liked, I liked what L.A. Weekly called it personally. What did they call it? And. When, it, when Guns N' Roses were on the cover and the scene broke, of course, I'm biased to this term, but it was called Guns N' Roses and the Cat House scene. So <laughs> I personally like it called. The, I like I mean, when I think of bands back then, I like to think of all those bands. And I put Junkyard and, and sometimes almost a Jane's Addiction in the Cat House scene. I like to think of those. And Candy was a Cat House band. Well, sort of was a Cat House band. More like you were. I mean, Electric Angels were more, and, and and some of the other things that you did, I would say, were more of a Cat House bands. But I think that what we did back then, even though we did have bands from the stripped occasionally play the Cat House, I think we were a different scene because, you know, somebody once 
called it the gypsy junkie scene. And I kind of like, even though you don't like junkies being a, a term, but I, I think of it more of it being like that. We all had a different look. The way that we looked back then wasn't the same way that they looked on the Sunset Strip, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. there was a, definitely, a, there was a difference to that. Um, Vic, do you have that flyer that I sent over to you? Because you, not only did you put all these rock bands, but you also put, you didn't put it on there. Oh, okay. So I had, a, I, I had gone on and found this uh, picture that uh, you put on Alice in Chains and a little band called Mookie Blaylock as special <laughs> guests. Because you love to putting on the special guests. But this band, yeah. Mookie Blaylock, it's Pearl Jam. Yeah. And, and that's just one of the many shows that you had on, you know, uh, at the cat house. So dude, let, let's, let's move on because this career path that you've had because, and, and again, with Axl Rose sort of you helping him, one hand washes the other, both hands wash the feet. He sort of opens the door, opens the connection to you to New York and to the headbangers ball. And at the time, Adam Curry was running it and he was, he's definitely a hair metal hairstyle. I don't know if he was a hair metal yeah. guy, but he had that 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 more of that eight one eight sunset strip hair that we're talking about. And you walk in with your leather jacket. What was that meeting like, and and how was that transition? Was it a, a, a cool transition, or was it kind of contemptuous? I, well, I never really had contact with Adam Curry whatsoever, um, and he was like, you know, I mean. Look, the first time I was ever on television, radio, anything was on MTV. So I didn't strive, you know, I'm, I still think that, you know, even the people that, that today host metal shows on the radio or VH1 or everything, you know, they all had broadcasting backgrounds. I didn't. I came from the cat house and um, I was very unpolished, raw. And what would happen is they would sprinkle me in as the man on the street from Los Angeles and Adam would would say, and we've got our man in the street, Ricky Rackman, who is with, you know, the guys in Junkyard. And then I'd be this hanging with our, you know, and it might be Steve Jones that was with me doing interviews. Right. And then more and more, they kept bringing me in. And then pretty soon I took the job as the host of Headbangers Ball. And the first year or so, I, I mean, I look at it and I, I just cringe. But there really wasn't a transition where it was like Adam saying, okay, and now it's Ricky. It was like Adam kind of just disappeared and stopped doing MTV and Adam created, I believe created something called the podcast. So yeah. Then, they, then he just did this little yeah. thing and became sort yeah. of the God post. What are they called? They call him the Podfather. Podfather. He's pretty much like the guy that created the pod. So I think Adam Curry really doesn't say, God, I wish I was still doing headbangers. Well, I think he's doing fine. <laughs> no, he's doing, but there he's really doing wasn't quite any well. Interaction. There wasn't really, I mean, I'm sure that he was kind of, you know, pissed off because this raw, unpolished guy from Hollywood all of a sudden is hosting the cat house and he's probably saying, Oh, we only got his job because he walked in with Axl Rose, which is completely true, you know, but so well, so what, but you know what? He made the introduction, but you were the one that was able to keep the job because you know what, if, if you don't deliver, you're out. And it's, it's the same way. It's the same thing that I talk about with getting the Alice gig. It's like, Yes, Gilby Clark was instrumental in giving me that sort of endorsement, you know, to get that audition. But at the end of the day, I had to still go in and get the audition and play good. And I had to, like, deliver what I played live. So, you know, I'm always going to be thankful 
for Gilby for giving me that support, just as you're always going to be thankful for Axel for, for opening the door. But you know what? You, you've always had this way of, uh, you're very well-spoken. You're very quick. So you're, this is perfect for you, this type of live shows. And, you know, I remember you put out, you were the first one, probably the only three times that Electric Angels, Rattlesnake Kisses got played on MTV were all because of you on Headbangers Ball. So I remember that. Thank you. <laughs> we were very we were very lucky because, you know, when people say, oh, was it really that good? Was it really that crazy? And it was, it you know, was. It yeah, really, yeah. we were so lucky. You know, we had this this neat circle. And the thing that was always fun is like, you know, there were a couple people in my circle that didn't get big gigs. One of them was Gilby and one of them was you. And then when Gilby got the Guns N' Roses and when you got the gig with Alice, I was like, this is great. And I the remember circle the is complete. Time, you know, now, now, now I'm the only guy that didn't get a big, big gig, but I, but obviously I did. You got a but lot of it, gigs, dude. I mean, that's yeah, what I'm going through. Cause, cause, cause after Headbangers Ball or, or, you know, then there was radio. You went into to be a radio host with Loveline. And I did not know that uh, you started it out. You started out with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. And, and, well, no, I started out. It was just, it was just me and Dr. Drew, and we did Loveline for about a year, and then it got syndicated nationally, and it was a huge hit all over America. And then they decided they wanted to do a Loveline TV show, and I didn't want to do the Loveline TV show. I didn't think it worked as a TV show. So they said, well, we're going to do it. We're going to bring in this guy, Adam Carolla. So then they did the three of us. It was Dr. Drew, Adam Carolla, and me, and it really didn't work out. So I left Loveline to start my own talk radio show called the Triple R, Ricky Rackman Radio. Got it. And so in... in this hosting, radio, presenting, it's all sort of this coming from just being able to socialize at your clubs, going around talking to people, hey, how's happening? Impromptu conversations turns into interviews, turns into all of a sudden this long career that you've had and going on from that, moving into the world of WCW. Because you've always been yeah. into you know motorcycles, wrestling, you get into world championship wrestling. You, um, you're hosted. Is it was it what was it called? Nitro. Monday Nitro. Basically, Ryan, I have always been white trash. I've always loved NASCAR. I've always loved wrestling. I've always loved motorcycles. I've always loved rock and roll. That has always been it. Oh my god. Okay, so that beautiful blue hair is with the wrestler Goldberg, and uh, that was at a NASCAR race when I got to do all those things. So I mean. I, you know, I can sit here and complain and say, you know, why am I not doing this? Why don't I have this show? But the truth is I'm very blessed and I've had some of the most amazing jobs in the world. Yeah. And which also, you know, I, I've got my fair share of haters because if you're a fan of wrestling or you're a fan of racing or you're a fan of rock and roll, all I am is just a glorified fan. And I'm the one, I have the job. I mean, when I hosted Headbangers Ball, I had the job everybody Nobody in the wanted. world wanted want everybody yeah. and everybody thought they could do it better than me so you know i'm wondering if this wt sort of nod this white trash sort of heritage that you that you grew up with does that have any decision does that play into any of your decision making of being this la kid now moving to north carolina because that By is the, the home of nascar right it was. Well, I've been doing a NASCAR radio show for about 20 years, and I ride my motorcycle everywhere, everywhere. And the few times that I'd been to North Carolina, 
um, I fell in love with it. And then I was renting this house in Laurel Canyon. And I think, I think my rent was like four grand a month. And then they were going to raise it to seven grand a month. And then I'm like, wait a minute. And I, I could go like, and then I just looked for the hell of it. I just looked at houses in North Carolina and I was like, wait, you mean I could like live in a ridiculous house for half that with, with people that are nice and they wave at you <laughs> and they let you go by in an intersection. And, um, and I said, okay, I'm going to rent a house for a while. And I rented a house for a year. And then I said, screw this. This is the best. And I found out that I could buy a ridiculously great house, have a completely different lifestyle. And, and I did, and I moved to North Carolina and, you know, now I find more and more people have left LA and I don't know how often you go there, Ryan, but the few times that I go back to LA, I'm like, wow, I've got, I've got no regrets at all. Like I'm living, I'm living a pretty damn good life here in North Carolina. It's amazing what you can afford when you don't live in Los Angeles, New York, or Stockholm, Sweden. Oh, wait, those are the three places that I live. (laughs) (laughs) I love living in North Carolina. And the beauty is, is my mortgage for a a nice house is a lot cheaper. I, I live a much better lifestyle with some nice people. And I like I'm going to L.A. again in three weeks. You know, I can go to L.A. whenever I want. And still, it's cheaper. So a much a much simpler life for an ordained minister as yourself. What? That's right. Is it now? Is that one thing that the wiki lied about, or are they telling the truth? Is it? Are that you, would be true. You are an ordained minister. Yes, and anybody can by just sending something in the mail. And I have performed three weddings, but the clip that you showed is from the, my new show, The Ball. And what I do is, here's what people don't understand. I'm a mental wreck. So I try to post these these inspirational things on social media that all I'm doing is really telling them to myself. And <laughs> and I'm like, okay, therapy. you know, today we're going to go through the day and this is the day. And I'm just telling them to myself because I'm such a mess. But then I started doing on the show, the ball that I do now, I, st- I started taking a metal song and taking the lyrics and doing it like it was a sermon. So if it was, you know, whatever, you know, for Pantera, it was, you know, you can't be something you're not. Stay, you know, and I'll do the whole lyrics as if it's a sermon, but I am a reverend. I have performed weddings and all the weddings that I've done, um, they're all married. And I actually, I am actually a spiritual person. I have my own religious beliefs and, um, I don't really discuss them openly. I also have no no problem. I have very good friends that are atheists. I think my mom is kind of an atheist, and that's okay too. I believe if you're just not a bad person, you're okay. It doesn't yeah. matter what you believe. Just don't be a dick. That's what I say. Right. But but I mean, I what I don't talk about is that I actually, you know, I used to pray a lot because I was a raging alcoholic and meth head and something had to get me sober because I wasn't doing okay by myself. But um, I don't, I mean, Reverend Ricky Rackman is something that's just fun. You know, it's not like, you know, I, I don't, you know, I listen to music with bands that have pentagrams. I believe that there is a devil, that the devil's probably come up with better rock and roll. And I listen to satanic music more than I would listen to. I would listen to, you know, probably Cannibal Corpse before I'd listen to Striper. So you've taken this 180 twist on going from rock 
being an ordained minister, where Sam Kennison started as a <laughs> reverend ordained minister right. and then just dove headfirst into rock and just kept going and never looked back. Yes. But I love I love the thing Reverend Ricky Rackman and, and people have run with it. And um, you know, like I said, I've done a couple weddings that I took very seriously and it was a lot of fun. But, it's, it's uh, funny. I, I know you as Rabbi Ricky Rackman. That's so weird. Yeah, the, the fact that I'm Jewish, I'm I'm sure also. Um, but Just throws I, I another little mix in it. Yeah, but hey, well, look at Wikipedia. <laughs> Rabbi Ricky Rackman would have been more accurate, but that just it doesn't. It's rolling off the tongue. Rolling off the tongue. I don't We're, think you can be a rabbi online. <laughs> no, let's. Do this, Ricky. We're going to talk about the ball, and uh, that's for the main event. And then we're going to have the people speak in a section we call Let the People Speak. But first, we're going to play a quick, quick commercial break because our good sponsor, Hughes and Kentner, we are giving away an amplifier, and all the directions are there. We will be giving it away on the air next week with our podcast with our guest, Tommy Clefetos. And uh, when we have him on in the trenches. So there you go, folks. You realize who our next week's guest is, and you will, if you do all this stuff that is in this next commercial, you will be eligible to take home a Hughes & Kettner amplifier. Vicki, run it. Hello, folks. Vicky. Ryan Roxy here, hanging out at the Hughes & Kettner studios. <laughs> well, it's time to give away this 25-watt Hughes & Kettner Spirit of Metal amplifier signed by me. What do you got to do to take this home? Well... Just follow and subscribe, and in the comments below, leave your name or a buddy's name that you think would get the most out of this amplifier. And you know what? With a little bit of luck, that name will be called when we do the final drawing. Enjoy the giveaway, and enjoy the ride. See, commercials are quick here, and uh, I just realized that right before I said that, I called our producer, Vicky. What did I say? What's, what's wrong with me? Vicky? Hello, Vicky. <laughs> He's just like going, what the hell? So anyhow, folks, we will give the winner out uh, to that Hughes and Kentner amplifier next week. But you know what? I'd like one of those. There you go. All you have to do is put your name in the comments. But I could have one of those and take the Ryan Roxy 12-step guitar program. There you do. You, you've been taking it. I love the fact that you've been uh, learning guitar. How is it coming along, your guitar journey now? Because have you learned a little bit of the basics and the fundamentals? Or have you had the time to actually put into it? Um, I did buy a guitar, a real guitar. I never had a real, I had like a lot of cheapy guitars and my girlfriend finally convinced me to get a real guitar. She's like, why don't you just get a real guitar? I'm like, okay, I will. And, um, I've been working way too hard this past month and I'm looking forward to taking some time off and I really want to play guitar, but Ryan's got a great course. This is, this is going to sound like a really cheap plug, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do. I don't care how old you are. It's really cool to play guitar. And once you learn three chords, you can play almost anything. And I love playing music. I love it. There it is. It's really fun. You know what? I always say if Courtney Love can do it, so can you. But now I'm going to say if Reverend Ricky Rackman can do it, so can you. And and usually it's Courtney Love, Ricky Rackman. It's it's funny how those two names go hand in hand. Now, did you say girlfriend or wife? Did you say he's my girlfriend? Okay, let's talk about your 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 girl because I'm so happy for you, dude. God, I'm so she happy. she's a great girl. We met in uh, we all met. Oh, I know why you're saying that. Why is because that? Because this is why we were in Paris. In Paris, yes. And we had just gotten engaged. Yes. And I thought it was very important 
Leah Vendetta. She's way out of my league. So what happened was I decided that when we got engaged, the first person, even though Ryan is one of my oldest and truest friends, I said the first person I ever want to introduce Leah as my fiance to is Alice Cooper. And I don't think Alice knew that that was such an important. So I said, Alice, this is my fiance, Leah Vendetta. And, um, and uh, we ended up not getting married, but we're still together. And uh, there you go. But yeah, that's probably why you said that. Because and, and, we got and you're to hang still out. a huge yeah. fan of Alice Cooper because I see Alice Cooper right in back of you right now as we speak uh, with the Cat House shirt on. I love it. He's always been supportive of, of your club, man. I don't have to tell you this, but Alice Cooper is. The reason that Alice Cooper to me is so legendary is and and why I don't look at Alice Cooper as 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 the way some other people might look at him is Alice Cooper has got incredible songs and you might hear a ballad you know that you didn't even remember holy crap that was Alice Cooper back then and it's funny you know when I went to go see Alice Cooper in France which by the way is so cool just to say I saw Alice Cooper in France <laughs> But I got to hang out with you, hang out with your son, who was just incredible. And when I got to see Alex in France, what was amazing to me was the biggest songs to the fans were songs like Poison, you know, as opposed to being some of the earlier songs. And Alice, I did an interview show with Alice not that long ago. And and all Alice wanted to talk about is goes, why isn't the Cat House story a Netflix special? Why is it? I'm like, Alice Cooper's telling me that I need to write a screenplay. And hearing Alice Cooper say that is like, I mean, Alice Cooper was, when I was a kid, I wrote my, my school papers on Alice Cooper. And to know that I can walk into a room where Alice is playing and he knows me by name. And yes, Alice Cooper played the Cat House on Halloween, but um, you know, he would be a good narrator for the documentary. Whatever he, he wants. Yeah, he, I he would be a really good narrator. And, and when yeah. I go on stage, and I mean, Alice has got such a great band, you know? The whole band. And I see you up there, and I see Nita up there, and I see everybody. And I'm just like, damn, what a fun show. You know, it's so good. And, and, and yes, I saw Alice in France uh, with Leah, and that was really, really cool. I appreciate you talking about us and about Alice and all all about me, but we're this is all about you, Ricky. This I'd is much the main event. Well, we, I want to talk about this this new relaunch because you have now shortened the name. It is just called the Ball, and it right. is is out now. Um, you're on Gimme Metal TV. Um, you say you're feeling a little bit more outlaw this time, which sounds you know. What what do you mean by outlaw? Do you do you get to do things? this time around that maybe MTV wouldn't let you or what's the, what's the twist with this version of headbangers ball, which is now simply Ricky Rackman's the ball on headbangers ball. I didn't pick any videos on the ball. I pick all of the videos. I would I say also, that's com- considerably more than minor. <laughs> that, that, that would be a big difference, huge. but that also gives me a lot of responsibility. And the problem with rock and roll right now is it's broken into so many genres and the people of each genre love their genre and hate the other ones, which makes it tough. Also, I film and edit every segment and we do weird things in the show, whether it's Reverend Ricky Rackman, whether it's the cartoon pit, whether it's all this stuff. We also have guests on the show and you know, my interviewing style is, is just conversational. And the music is much heavier 
than than Headbangers Ball was. And the thing that I found, which is so cool, is that we've got a lot of people that are our age on, watching the show, but we've also got a lot of kids watching the show. And what's happening is, you know, a lot of people that might be my age are like, holy crap, I never heard of Power Trip or Spirit Box. And then there's kids that are saying, well, I never was into Death Angel or Exodus. And um, I'm playing a lot of heavy stuff and I'm keeping it that way on purpose because that's what the ball is. Yes, I could have easily done a different type of show, which would have played a lot of popular rock and roll and the show would have been bigger. That's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to make this outlaw heavy music show. And I think that it's the best heavy music video show that's ever been made. And it is because I write and produce and edit and do the whole thing. And when I did Headbangers Ball, you know, the, the, the show that people used to talk about the most was whenever Dave Mustaine on Meg from Megadeth was on on Headbangers Ball right. because Dave Mustaine notoriously would give me a hard time, and on this Saturday <laughs> show, on this Saturday show, it's me and Dave Mustaine, and notoriously giving you a hard time, I would imagine. I don't know. We haven't done it yet. I have no <laughs> idea how it's going to go. Well, I would just imagine the, he will. And, because it's the 8th of May, which is Motorhead Day, and Motorhead has always been my number one band. I've got Mickey D from Motorhead on the show. Perfect. So it's like I've got Mickey D from Motorhead. I've got Dave Mustaine, and I'm playing a whole bunch of videos and filming segments. I'm going to get – Leah Vendetta is going to do another Motorhead tattoo on me for the show. And, um, and we have a live chat room the entire time the show's on, and – it's going to be uh, – It's all you have to do is you have to get the Gimme Metal app. It's on Saturday at 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Pacific. But then we re-air the show Fridays at like 9 a.m. Pacific. So it's well, on like good 6 for Europe. Yeah, it's time. good for Europe it's as good well. For Europe. It's and the show's – so what I'm doing is I'm doing this show this Saturday with Dave Mustaine and Mickey D. And then the following week we're going to take all the episodes and air them back-to-back. And then I'm not sure what I'm going to do after that because I've been working really hard on this show. And um, I don't know if I'm going to take some time off or if I'm going to do more episodes, but, well, but we'll it must see. be very rewarding now that all of it's a lot of responsibility, obviously, but this is your, your ball. It's not just the headbangers ball. This is, no, your this ball. is mine. I mean, this is, you know, people are like, why didn't you call it headbangers? It's like, cause I don't own the name. And, <laughs> um, you know, and you can't merchandise you can't merchandise it out at the old cat house headquarters, which you're at right now. Which I'm sure there's a lot of ball merch available, which we're going to get to. How can people? There's actually, there's actually I I found Headbangers Ball T-shirts and Headbangers Ball hoodies, and I got them all. So I sell Headbangers Ball <laughs> stuff, and um and when it's gone, it's gone. But I do a lot of cat house stuff. I mean, this is just my office in here. Which most of the T-shirts are in the other office, but just in my office we have jackets and hoodies and you, stuff like that. You turn yourself into a complete warehouse. Is that a cat house motorcycle helmet as well? I like that. What is that? That is that is my cat house motorcycle helmet. I wish I could take you in the other room where we have a musician that um, is a fan of yours, Abby K. Nice. She's a local. Abby Kay is great, and she uh, is a local musician. She's 
18 years old and she's just starting out in the scene and she works for me doing t-shirts so it's also nice because i get to hear her music and and hear somebody that's new starting in the business and like old man i'm like let me tell you something what i would do and i like to change things up carry and, uh, the torch abby carry the torch of rock and roll and uh, lead it on with your generation uh, we are hanging out here with ricky rackman at the cat house headquarters we're talking about uh, the relaunch of the ball which is a huge show coming out on saturday but folks enough of our yapping it is now time for letting you speak in a segment we like to call let the people speak yes Uh oh yes well there you go maybe not (laughs) (laughs) quick on a lot of pictures but a little slow on the draw and the animation vic (laughs) vicky He's still sore about me calling him Vicky, I think. That's what it's about. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to In the Trenches. Um, Again, we're here with Ricky Rackman. If you are watching on our YouTube channel, just hit that subscribe button right down there. And, um, you know, tell a friend. Tell an enemy. uh, Tell a frenemy. But this is the part of the show where you wrote in, you had your questions for Ricky, and we're going to merely ask them to Ricky if he wants to answer them, that's fine. Our first one comes from at Chris Vickery 13. What has been your favorite Ricky's ride? Because I know that you do motorcycle rides. You do it every year called the Ricky's ride. Yes. Not doing it this year. Um, I would have to say it was 20, 2018. I did every state in America. 2020 I did with, uh, I did with Leah and that was fun. Cause we rode coast to coast and actually, no, you know, 2019, 2018, I did with Leah as well. That was the best one because we would go to certain towns and there would be like people there. We'd go, oh, we're going to be at this gas station. And there'd be like 20 people there. And we've done so many great things. I think 2018 was my favorite. I've ridden a motorcycle coast to coast 14 times now, Mexico to Canada three times, four wow. countries. And I've raised a lot of money. Um, you last do it for year, charity, I, yeah. Last year, I raised $22,000 for the Alzheimer's Association. The year before that, I raised $32,000 for Stop Soldier Suicide. The reason that I stopped doing the ride is because uh, it just cost me too much money. I have this stupid thing that when I donate, when I raise money, I give it all to charity. You know, I didn't take any for gas or hotels or everything. So I miss it. There's nothing better than riding a motorcycle across the country. And we'd stop at all these incredible places and... uh, I don't know. Everyone was great. And it was just great because it was great. Did you ever do a ride to Sturgis with Gilby and the whole group before? Probably about eight times, eight eight or nine times. Yeah. (laughs) Always. We used to ride to Sturgis. I mean, the one thing when they say, what do you miss the most of not living in LA? And it's riding with Gilby and Tammy. Yeah. Yeah. So you, Gilby and Tammy have become the three amigos is when it comes to motorcycles. I know there's EJs in the group as well. And there's, you guys have a, yeah, you guys have a gang. Um, but I'm going to move on to another question because at easy sin asks, how was it being part of the wedding scene in November rain? Part of the gang again, Ryan, I need to set one thing straight. Okay. You weren't in it. Wikipedia. No, (laughs) I'm not the guy that went flying through the cake. Everybody thinks I am. All I did was just go like this. That's all I did in that it, whole video. Was there a stunt man that went through the cake, or did were you was were you supposed to be the guy that went through the cake? Vic, can you run a clip of that right now? He's saying he can't run a clip of that. Okay, thanks. That was the thanks, week before Axel. I cut. That was the week before I cut all my hair off. 
and um, fiction. Yeah. That was the week before I cut all my hair off. And I remember that the, the whole segment that they had taped at the Rainbow, they did at night. And then we all went to the church right after. So we had been up all night long, which wasn't anything that new, except it was just a lot of waiting around. But it was, you know, Axel had this knack, everybody in Guns N' Roses for that matter, had this knack of always including friends in doing stuff. So, yeah. you know, you watch the November Rain video and you'll see some people that we knew back then. And, and Josh and Richman that, was, that was, part, was probably there. Of um, course he was. Yeah. I, I, I'm, Shannon was probably there at the time, maybe. Yeah. Or, who knows? I remember seeing the November Rain video, but yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to move on because uh, this is going to be sort of a leading question, but I know you're not going to say Guns N' Roses, or you might. I don't know. But at Hermanos327 underscore UXL1, damn, no one's going to get that confused with anybody else. Your favorite, <laughs> your favorite band, Hermanos327 underscore UXL1, your favorite band. Where it's, there's, there's something you can't see. You're pointing to something. It says... Uh, Funkos. Motorhead. It had to be Motorhead. Yeah. And, Motorhead. You, and you mentioned it because today is Let the Fourth Be With You, May 4th. I don't know. We, we've made it a holiday throughout the uh, the last, I guess it's been, what, the last decade or so? But yeah. when did May 8th become Motorhead Day and who's spear, spearheading that, that sort of... I believe that May 8th, I really think I only heard about it last year, maybe. So I decided because it's the 8th of May that I decided that I was going to get a tattoo, a motorhead tattoo. And the beauty of having Leah Vendetta as a girlfriend is she is one of the greatest tattoo artists in the world. She was on the TV show Ink Masters. So when your girlfriend's Leah and everything was on lockdown, I'm like, let's do our motorhead tattoo. So she's going to do, so she did a motorhead tattoo on my leg on May 8th. And now for the next show, the ball, which is May 8th, she's going to do another motorhead tattoo. And I'm going to get another tattoo right here. I'm going to get like a one that was just like Lemmy. So Motorhead is, I think the reason that I love Motorhead so much is because as if you saw the show when, when it first started, Ryan showed a picture of me back in high school when I was this like punk rock kid because I loved, you know, it was Germs, Adolescent, TSOL, Black Flag, Sham 69. Those were my bands, that picture right there. But I also remember hearing the song Motorhead from Motorhead. And I don't care what genres you say it is if you hear that first album from motorhead even though lemmy just always said it's rock and roll that first album is punk rock you know with that song motorhead da -na 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 -na, motorhead and the yeah, and vibrator so. and all these crazy yeah. songs they're punk rock songs yeah. and and that's what and so when i was into punk rock i did like motorhead but then as i started getting into heavier music i still liked motorhead and now I still will listen to Motorhead. They transcend. And, they transcend so many different genres. You know, they really no, do. Oh, something yeah. about the Motorhead tattoo. Can I lift it up? Yeah. Here, can you see that? Let's see. Can you see that right uh, there? There you go. There it is. I got the snaggle tooth right there. Yes, the ugliest Nikes ever made. I was um, going to say comment more on the socks, but um, <laughs> what socks? <laughs> no, the socks are fine. The thing oh, is, I remember Lemmy at that pachinko game at the rainbow, always at the end of the bar, you know, was he at the cat house as well? Every Tuesday, yes! every Tuesday, played the cat house all the time. Um, Motorhead was one of the bands that when 
whenever I needed a favor, they would play. I mean, the last night at the Cat House, they played. When I opened it for a short time on the Sunset Strip, they played. Um, Lemmy would get up on stage with Jet Boy. Lemmy would get up on stage. I mean, Guns N' Roses played the Cat House. I mean, M Motorhead. Sorry, I'm trying to find the plug so I don't lose juice. Motorhead played the Cat House so many times. And Lemmy was always there. Yes, everybody always thinks about him being at the Rainbow because he was until his last days. But yeah, Motorhead was played the Cat House many, many times. Okay, okay. Because this will sort of dovetail into that because at Heavy Metal Rules 69 has a two-part question. Would you ever consider reopening the Cat House? Because you did actually open the Cat House in North Carolina recently. Would you ever reopen it at a location such as the Viper Room? And another lie. This is that's all we're spitting out lies here and in the trenches. You didn't. You, <laughs> so the cat house. Maybe it was the thing I'm thinking about is the cat house in North Carolina is your big warehouse, your cat house headquarters. That's what it is. You've never restarted the club, other than, no. than back in the day. No, the last cat house I did was the cat house 30th anniversary, which was at the Whiskey and the Roxy. So no, then that was five years ago. So um, if I was going to do the cat house, what I would love to do, I'd love somebody to come up to me and say, Ricky, we want to open up a bar called the cat house that just plays rock and roll. And you just walk in it. There's no cover charge and it's cool stuff to look at. And it's only rock and roll. And it's like, like remember when we used to go to the scrap bar in New York or stuff like that. It's, just, yeah. it's a small bar. I'd love to open. And maybe there is a small stage, but if somebody plays, it's a total shock. Because what happens is when you get a band to play, then everybody wants to know who's playing, whether they're going to go. I want a place that people will just go like as many times as they want, and they'll just always go to the Cat House. I would love to open up a rock and roll bar called the Cat House. There you go. And franchise that motherfucker out, man. Come on. <laughs> Can you imagine a little Cat House in every town? There's a little bit of Cat House in every little town. I, like I would that. love nothing more than to do that. Part two, the infamous slash falling down the stairs story. I have no idea what that story is because I think I might have fallen down those stories. They must be talking about that staircase that was at Oscars, where there was and there was a staircase at uh, eight thirty six Highland as well, wasn't there? No, it was a staircase at Oscars. That that, that okay. story. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't really a big infamous story, but um, Keith Cooper, who you know, was working the door, and I remember that some girls were they saw you know this. We always at the cast, we had lines of motorcycles in front, and people pulled up and they're like. Hey, you know what? These girls came in. What's going on here? What's going on? And Keith is like, come on in. You'll love it. And at that moment, Slash fell down the stairs holding a fake plant with a T-shirt that said Cat House Security. So, you know, I mean, the thing about about our circle of friends, whether it be, you know, you know, us and Gilby or, you know, Guns N' Roses or Faster Push Cat or, you know, we could do whatever we want at the clubhouse, at the cat house. If there was somebody that we wanted out, they were out. If we got in a fight, they always, there was, you know, the security guards were always there taking care of us. We did whatever we want and Guns N' Roses could do whatever they wanted at the cat house and they did. Yeah, yeah. I, I can attest to that. I remember uh, Steve, Steven Adler falling asleep many, many times at the cat house somewhere yes. underneath the bar. Somewhere like that, just give him a pillow. He would have been. He would have been good friends with the, with the my pillow guy. I probably. You know what? My pillow guy was probably one of those dudes walking around. He's got to be maybe around our age at this point. I think the my pillow guy. The my, my how that is so random. But but dude, think about it. 
Mike Lindell, he's perfect for that cat house sort of in somewhere in the trenches scene like that. I think he was there. Let's just say it was, and we'll put it on your Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> now, just a couple more things. Let the, never let the truth get in the way of a good story because this is where we dispel rumors, myths, or controversies surrounding the artist. Today, our artist is Ricky Rackman. Actually, I would say- I've never been called an artist. This is the first. <laughs> I don't believe it. You're an idol maker, though. What do you call An idol maker. That's what it is. So, here it is. Fact or fiction. Were you ever powerbombed? I don't know what that means. I don't know what a powerbomb is. Do. Okay. Okay. Were you ever powerbombed by wrestler Kevin Nash? Very close. That's Kevin Nash, the big sexy. And at a WCW event, the story was I was supposed to help pick a Miss Nitro and I was going to pick somebody else in the NWO, which is an evil faction of professional wrestling led by Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And of course, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. And Kevin took my head and put it between his legs and was always going to pick me up and drop me on my head. But I said, no, don't worry about it, Kevin. I will pick the girl that you want me to pick to be Miss Nitro. So I was almost powerbombed, but I wasn't. That would have actually, that could have killed you, dude. <laughs> yes. And Kevin Nash is a monstrous man. All right. So there you go. That's our fact. Our next fact. and last fact or fiction and uh, never let the truth get in the way of a good story you know that's one of alice cooper's favorite lines is just never let the truth get in the way of a good story and if you ever interview alice he will yes, prove that he will prove that <laughs> in in the fact the, the thing about like on the cat house hollywood podcast or most of the stories that we always tell the truth is ridiculous like people would never believe the truth it's like i read some of these books and they're telling these stories of stuff that happened at the cat house. Like the truth is better than anything you could have possibly made up. Yeah. I I, I was there. I, I, I think I remember Nikki six, uh, walking by me the night that he died. One of the times that he died. That is absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. He, That's and, a fact. And, it, and he did die at the cat house or died shortly thereafter. And at I a remember, hotel room afterwards. Yeah. 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 And then he, well, he, obviously he's not dead. So good for no. us. Good for or us. Or is he? <laughs> that's a whole nother show that's a whole nother podcast now here's my last one was the band battery club inspired by the time you were charged for assault and battery because <laughs> you were in a band called battery club and then apparently you were charged for assault and battery just sort of being a stand-up guy i always say the story is i heard is you were a radio host at kslx and I don't know if you have a gag order not to talk about it. But, oh, I'll uh, talk about it as much as you want, right? All right. You well, all the, this was the Triple R, because we're, we're on the Quadruple R uh, podcast right now. Right. But this was Triple R Radio. And I was a very successful talk radio host in Los Angeles. and KSLX, the, right? Yes, KLSX. And one of the other radio teams were saying all these mean things about me, but that's what people do. And then they started saying mean things about the girl that I was dating. And I went to the station and I beat the living crap out of the guy <laughs> and went clocked. to jail. You just clocked <laughs> and I, and then And then I, and nobody would hire me. And I spent two years totally broke working as a car salesman. Broke, 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 broke. Not MC Hammer. I'm bankrupt, but still have a mansion. I'm broke. Like the power, the lights just got turned off. So that, that it was like it was worse than doing like a bad David Leatherman interview. If you were an actor, an up and coming actor, and you just kind of you know completely dove head you know nose dived on David Letterman or something like that. This was they really did try to cancel you. 
Well, they did cancel me. I was I was canceled for several years. You know, I mean, what I did was was wrong. You know, well, it's actually just <laughs> but, it's, it's actually defined as assault and battery. That's that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, what I, I did did I? Yes, I assaulted him. He went to the hospital. I went to jail. Yeah. I didn't get any jobs. But but the truth of the band that I was in Battery Club, which I really liked, um, Radio Shack, because I had a record of Assault and Battery, but Radio Shack, which I don't think they have anymore, was where you'd get like cheap yeah. parts. They used to have a thing called the Battery Club where you'd get free batteries every month. And I thought, Battery Club. And I was charged with battery. So that's how I got the name. Fiction. There you go. So it had nothing to do with you. No. Being- no. At that point, I was really not trying to – I wasn't publicizing the fact that I had been in jail for assault and battery. That was something that, that I didn't <laughs> think was a benefit for my career. You just want so to sweep I, that I, one under the uh- – Yeah, let's just not talk about it. <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad we talked about it today and we got out of we got it out without any real names. If you guys want to go on and uh, you know go down that rabbit hole, go look for all the lies on Ricky Rackman's uh, Wikipedia site as well. I think I've given as much uh, sort of hype and promo to your Wikipedia site as I have the upcoming show of the Ball because that's what we're it's doing all, now. The Wikipedia, I don't. Ask me, make it Wikipedia. I'll tell you what you guys need to know. I wasn't born in Van Nuys. My (laughs) birthday is wrong. The thing that sucks is like nowadays, you know, you sometimes lie about your age and Wikipedia got it wrong. But even the wrong part that they have now still has me as being too old. So I can't like lie. It's like, no, Wikipedia has me Are you born in 65? I I, I always thought I was a little bit older than you. But now when I looked on Wikipedia, you're a bit older than me. So are you born in 65? Somewhere around there. Okay. If you're born in 1965, so am I. But Somewhere I around there. Somewhere okay. around there. Okay. I'm 65 adjacent. <laughs> Fact or fiction? I don't know. It's it's all a mystery. <laughs> all right. We're heading out to the highway, folks, because we have to uh, get Ricky a lot of hype on what's happening this next Saturday and all his social medias. Ricky, if you can go through your social medias for those of us that are listening on the audio podcast, please do and tell them what the best way to get in touch with you would be. The best way to get in touch with me would be my Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Um, I really don't, I'm just starting to do more with Facebook and Instagram. So I like those, which is Ricky Rackman, R-I-K-I-R-A-C-H-T-M-A-N. And please buy cat house shirts or headbangers or anything you want at cathousehollywood.com. That's cathousehollywood.com. And that's the that's the cat house headquarters we've been talking about all day where you've been broadcasting from and uh, yes. folks it's been another in the trenches with ricky rackman hey ricky um i can hardly wait till we come back out some start doing some sort of touring and we head out to the states and hit north carolina um or we find each other somewhere on the road it's going to be great to see you again my friend Yes, because you, I mean, you you are one of my, like, like the way I tell people, like, I've known Ryan longer than I've known Tammy, because we all were so lucky to be part of this great, great time. And then, and to think that three decades, three and a half decades later, that we get to sit on your show, you know, I, I, I watched your entire show with Tracy Guns, and just sitting there and just thinking, God, you know, I miss so much of this stuff. And, 
And uh, that was you know, the, we were lucky. That was the best I've ever gotten along with Tracy Guns in the the whole history of our friendship. I, I mean, I we didn't I didn't disagree with him at all. I completely supported everything he said, and I'm glad that his lawsuit with LA Guns is now settled now, so he can he can forever be just LA guns and then everybody else can be, you know, Riley's LA guns. I think I'm starting Roxy's LA guns. Maybe you want to start a little Ricky Rackman's LA guns. I'm actually going to start my next radio show. It's just going to be called the Tracy gun show. Cause he hasn't gone after that That's name yet. Right. So I might be the Tracy gun show. <laughs> Damn. Well, Ricky, I've always been an admirer. Um, of everything you bring to the table, your handlebar mustache is much fuller than anything. I just shaved that today because we're getting ready to May 8th, and I, I just dyed it just so it would look good on the 8th of May. So this the is something that I just May, The 8th of May. The 8th of May. The 8th of May. is that, That's what it comes from, right? It has to be. Yes. That's awesome. I That's know. so great. It took me a little while to figure it out. I, kept, I started reading it, and I'm starting going, why does Vic keep on putting that banner up? But now I'm, okay, I get it. Duh. Hello. So, <laughs> so folks, um, next week, Tommy Clefettos is on as our guest on In the Trenches. Um, you've been hanging out with uh, Ricky Rackman, um, the not the podfather, the godfather of the uh, Los Angeles rocks, like the Los Angeles... Uh, Guns N' Roses cat house scene. Does that make any sense? <laughs> All right. Better than hair metal. Hey, I'll ride that train as long as I can, Ryan. Please do, my friend. And uh, let's uh, catch up once again when we are back out on the road and we can cross Definitely. paths. And thank you very much for spending the time with us. Thank everybody in the chat that's been hanging out. And um, folks, hang out one second, Ricky. Until next time, I'm Ryan Roxy. Enjoy the ride. See ya. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello. Moby, give him his guitars back.